Hello and welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. My name is Paul Bernard and we're going to talk all things church, faith, trying to make very complex things somewhat simple. And So today's episode, we're going to dive into something called Business Church. And I know you've been a part of churches that look more like a corporation or an industry more than they do a movement of the gospel. And so today we're going to kind of break that down, maybe as talk to why that is, or maybe, you know, how to move forward in it. But before we do that, we've got to go all the way back, right? We've got to go back to when this movement called the church, this thing that Jesus says, this is my rock, and on this I will build my church, right? and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So we're going to go all the way back to 12 guys and their leader, right? So Jesus came together and began speaking in parables, but he talked so much about the kingdom of God and how there was going to be this time when the kingdom of God basically was being expanded throughout the earth and what that looked like. And he would give you ideas. All you, you listen to the Sermon on the Mountain. He's basically saying in the entire Sermon on the Mountain, Matthew chapter 5, that this is what the kingdom's going to look like. It's going to be so powerful, so amazing. And, and little did the 12 guys know, but they were going to be the ones to usher this forward. Now to fast forward just a little bit, Jesus dies on a cross for all mankind, rises again on the third day, uh, spend some time with the 12 guys talking even further about the kingdom of God uh, and just having a relationship with them. And then Jesus ascends, right? And he gives them this m- mandate right off the bat. Very, you know, popular scripture, Matthew chapter 28, the Great Commission. And so he basically says this, go and make disciples, right? Go and, and create this movement that's going to get started. You're going to have some help, right? I'm going to send the Holy Spirit of God to you, and the Holy Spirit's going to come, and it's going to give you power. And then Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says that you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and Jerusalem to the end of the earth, right? And so when the Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter 2, in the day of Pentecost, that's when the actual movement begins. People begin to get saved in large amounts, and we start to see this movement of Christianity, this this faith, right? It's taking it's, it's growing legs and now it's moving. It's not just located to one central group of guys. Now it is just exploding all throughout and furthering the kingdom of God just like God said that he would do. Now, as we go into this movement, of course, there's always going to be people to come against the faith. But we see that there's a persecution that happens. Okay, and in this persecution... What it does is it causes the church to scatter, right? So whether it was, you know, on purpose or just a byproduct of the persecution, Christianity under pressure grew immensely. Now it's spread further than the locale of just Jerusalem in that area. Now it's going all over and Paul starts to take this movement forward and as we go out through church history we look at this movement of of kingdom growth it's just unreal okay you've got persecution you've got um people getting saved you've got boldness you've got god being the 
very center of it all, Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit being the center of it all. And what I love about this process is that the message that Jesus gave us, this good news, this gospel, that is what drove them and the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, as we go on through history, about the 4th century, we find this man comes up, and during all this persecution, a Roman emperor named Constantine. And what Constantine does is Constantine causes a total change in the landscape of the faith because for political reasons, he made Christianity legal. And so they begin to construct all throughout this area houses of worship, places or buildings that were were dedicated to the church, okay? And so when that takes place, there's a new normal that starts. And I believe we are experiencing that normal still today, even though the building shape might change. I'm not so confident in the fact that churches are growing and changing in different forms of worship, but I am truly confident in the fact that we have not left this box mentality of putting the movement in a box. A while back, there was a guy named Leonard Sweet wrote a book called Aqua Church, one of the very first really books that really just took me over. And I read this book, and one of the premises of this book is that the church is like liquid, right? It's like water, and it is going to take the shape of its container. So when you put the church inside a box, when you put a movement inside a box, think about uh, if you put water that's just, just going and moving, and all of a sudden you box it in, what ends up happening is, is that when you put it inside of a container, you have to organize, right? You have to organize it to get it to be effective. Okay, and so the more we organize the things, the more we become an organization. And so from 12 guys and their leader causing this outburst uh, of a movement, this massive revolution, what ends up happening is when persecution was taken away through Constantine, the movement had to be organized. When you put a movement as strong as Christianity, and something as powerful as God into a box, you can imagine the chaos that would be inside that box. So what do you have to do? You've got to organize it, right? You've got to create a rigidity in order for that thing to thrive. And so as we begin to organize our faith, that's where you see all these hierarchies starting to come in, the way we do sacraments, uh, the way we do orders of service, what a service looks like, all those things these systems that we had to create. Now, how do you know that the systems are working? How do you know that this rigidity that we have, the thing that we formed in our own particular box, is working? Well, we've designed measures of success. And these things, they vary, right? There are so many different ways that we measure success in church. Okay? Maybe you measure success by numbers. How many people are coming to your church? That's, that's the probably the biggest way that people measure success, okay? So if I were to ask you what's the biggest church in your area, more than likely you would point to one that is a large people, right? These have the most people in them. Or maybe your success is in how many staff members you have, how well of a system 
that you have. Maybe it's how much money that you bring in or how big your box or your facility, your building is. And so we create these measures of success, okay? And these measures of success, as they grow, cause us to do certain things, right? When we get too big and, and our success level is over the top, we have to organize a little bit more. And the way we do that is we begin to hire what we call staff members. Staff members, ministers, pastors, whatever that might be, your staff model uh, is very, very important, okay? And so when we create this staff, now we've got a whole network of people that are inside the box on a daily basis, working hours, and we've got all these, you know, clerical things to do, these administrative things that start to take place. And as these success measures grow, then what else has to grow? Well, of course, your box has to grow, okay? And so we begin to pour resources into offices. We begin to pour resources into educational facilities or maybe um, sanctuary size, parking size, expansion, maybe even moving facilities to a different area because there's a transition in the community that doesn't really line up with your vision. So now you've got this staff, you've got these members, uh, tons of them, the successes that you've laid out. You've got a great uh, facility, but now to make all of this run, you've got to put programs in place. Now, these are the things that we do, right? And it's very, very important that we do these programs in a rigidity systems uh, way of thinking. The reason why is because if you don't have a program, you're having to reach people one person at a time. And if you've got hundreds and hundreds of people, it's kind of redundant to just try to go after one. And so We've got the, right, so let's build it all together. We've got the measures of success that we figured out. We've had to hire staff members because that success has grown. We've got a bigger facility. Now we've got the programs that are running the thing. This is how we do what we do. And so what is born out of that is called net theology. And so I'm not really sure if that's a term that I coined or, or just use. I'm not real sure. But, but I know, I can tell you what net theology is, okay? Net theology is that everything that we do, whether it's discipleship, it's gospel, it's sharing our faith, it's ministering, we try to do at a net level. In other words, corporately. We try to get as many people underneath that net as possible. Why? Because that gives us the fastest results for the measures of success that we're after. So if I were to tell you and you were to say, I've got a church that is 500 people and I want to change the culture. All right, well, the first thing I would do is, okay, start with one person. Start with changing the behavior and the thought processes of that one person. And then once you do that, that one person will reach one and you go get another. <laughs> now you see where this is headed. This is the, the way the church, you know, the movement. This is how it started. The problem is that takes time. And we don't have time. So now we're throwing the net every time that we can. And we're throwing programs in this net to try to reach people. This is what the church looks like today. So when you add all of these things up, a business is born. I mean, it's a literal business. I have been there. I've done that, right? I was the CEO of our church, not necessarily the shepherd or not necessarily the pastor. My job was to make sure that the administrative things were handled. I've talked with pastors a lot and, you know, they, they voice their frustrations to me about how 
they're very stressed out and all these sorts of things. So I'll, I'll constantly ask them, what is some of the things that you're stressed out about? And nine times out of ten, the things they tell me have nothing to do with pastoring, nothing to do with the gospel, everything to do with administration. Right? It has everything to do with this business world. And so we, as a church, and I think this is funny because I think that I see a lot of pastors that are really successful in this and, and figured out how to successfully organize the box that they give their advice to businesses. Um, and it's so funny because the, the advice they give on how to run the structure works so well in business. And they say it's because it's biblical. Well, I would have to say maybe not. Maybe we've changed the church in such a way that it looks a lot like a business. And so therefore what we do is we mimic the business that we mimic, right? We, we do the things that businesses do. Why? Because we look a lot like a business. It's maybe that the, the church is not influencing the cor corporate world. It looks a little bit more like the corporate world is influencing the church. And so why? We want success. And so we have this corporate church thing going. Now, all of that said, we've, we've noted that we made a enormous shift. How do we get back to what it truly looks like? Well, you basically have to dismantle, and there are three ways you can do that. All right, so I want to give you these three ways. And if you're a pastor, man, check this out, listen to this. If you are a church member, maybe just somebody that's a Christian, and you're looking to figure this out, I want you to hear this as well. Okay, because a lot of times as believers, we simply just go into this program. We, we operate in the box, the facility, and we, we, we measure the success in the same way. So what if you were to change your way of thinking? Okay, so here are the three things. Number one, you've got to start line throwing, not net throwing. Think about this. When a pastor goes to an event and they, they get inspired with something or motivated to do something, the very first thing they're going to do is take it to the pulpit. And the reason they're going to do that is because they want as many people to get on board as possible. That's why we do mass signups in the church. We want a lot at one time. Well, what if we just took our time and restarted the movement? So start line throwing instead of net throwing. The second thing you've got to do is you've got to create new markers, okay, new measures of success. Now, I've said this before, and, and I'll probably end up saying it over and over again, but numbers cannot be your go-to. The amount of people that are in your congregation cannot be your go-to as far as success. Now, you might say, well, my success is baptisms. Great, great, great. We are called to make disciples, not baptize people. Now understand something, baptism is a part of discipleship, but it is definitely not the end. So we've got to learn to create relationships. Okay, stop thinking the biggest churches are the healthiest churches. They're not. I honestly believe with all of my heart during the COVID pandemic that we missed an opportunity. You see, we as churches, uh, we sell a product just like a business would. And sometimes we have to make our product attractive and that causes for what we call the attractional model, meaning you're going to set up your sanctuary, you're going to set up your messages, you're going to set up your worship, set up your programs according to how you can attract people. Well, that creates a bunch of consumers, and consumers don't contribute a whole lot. And so one of the things that happened in the COVID pandemic is we saw church 
attendance dropped drastically. And so many churches have not come back from that. But many have. But what if I were to tell you this? What if it looked like this? That during the COVID pandemic, basically what the pandemic did was knock off the fluff of churches. In other words, the people that weren't really on board, even though they sat in seats and they looked like success, if that's our measure, they weren't really doing anything for the movement of the kingdom of God. And and so it could very well possibly be that during the pandemic, when numbers were so low, that the church was probably at its healthiest. Because you had real believers, real sold-out believers that were more about the kingdom of God than they were a church attendance. And what did we do? We went straight back to trying to figure out how to get more people so we could look successful again. You got to stop thinking numbers. Second thing you got to stop thinking is spirit markers. Now, let me explain to you what this is. There are certain things that we say, man, the spirit of God was there this morning. And we as men have manufactured a lot of this stuff. Like somebody raises their hand in worship, man, you can see the spirit of God all over them. Whereas if somebody's not singing and they're sitting there, well, the Spirit of God just obviously is not moving today. The church is dead. Wow, that's man-made markers. Who's to say that someone that's not singing is not going into a heavy, heavy reflection based on their conviction? You see, we set markers. What if I were to tell you that when we're obedient, the Holy Spirit's there, but it doesn't have to look like we think it needs to look like. And there's a danger in this because so many of us can manufacture worship services to create certain spiritual markers so that we can feel better about what we're doing and say that God was there. So the third thing is this. Okay, you got to have you gotta start line throwing. you got to have new markers. But the third thing is this, and this is huge, okay? The church has got to be the starting line, not the finish line. We have spent so much of our time in ministry trying to get people into the church that once we do that, we consider it done. And because of that, we've got so many lost people in the church. What if the church was simply the starting line? In other words, people led people to Jesus outside of the box so that when they came into the box, they're just ready to be discipled and be made more disciple makers. We have focused far too long on just trying to get people into the box. When we need to say, you know what, I'm not trying to reach the unchurched. I'm trying to reach unbelievers. Because believers, true believers, they're going to be churched. So we've got to stop with this whole thought process of once you get to church, you're in good shape. No, 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 no. The church is just where it begins. And then the church becomes this massive movement of disciples that reach out. Guys, it's time that we stop thinking about church as a business model and start thinking it as a movement of the kingdom of God. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Remember, share it with friends. If you like the content, let's get this thing going. We're going to talk even more as we continue I want you guys to have a great week this week. God bless you. Stay simple.